in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Hoo-ah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabe S. Dunn. Hello and welcome back to Bad With Money. I'm your host, Gabe Dunn. This is a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. I'm very excited to get into this episode because I don't think I've ever spoken to a debt lawyer before. So Leslie, can you tell my audience who you are and what you do? Sure. I'm Leslie Tain. I'm a financial attorney. I've been practicing in the area of consumer and business debt resolution and alternatives to bankruptcy now for 25 years. I work with individuals, consumers, and business owners related to financial challenges, including all different kinds of debt, credit cards, student loans, merchant cash advances, lines of credit, basically anything that's relatively unsecured. So why would someone need your services? Oh, there's a host of reasons why people come to me. So on the student loan end, obviously, there's a lot of confusion surrounding student loans. So to understand what types of loans that they have, what options they would have, the differences with private versus federal student loans. And on the regular debt end, anybody that's challenged in meeting their financial obligations, maybe they are behind or they've been sued or they can't meet those obligations or they want to restructure those types of debts. That's why people come to order if they just want to understand their debts and how it fits into their lifestyle. Are you, can you get in legal trouble for student loans? 
Sure, you could be sued over your student loans. Absolutely. What? Explain that. <laughs> so and on the private student loan sector, if you're basically borrowing from a bank. So if you default and you don't pay, you don't pay the bill and you default, they can send it to collection agencies and attorney's offices and you absolutely can be sued on your on your student loans. Federal student loans, that's a different ballgame. The federal student loans have been in forbearance now for the last three years based on the CARES Act. So when in the middle of COVID, there was a moratorium on not only collections, but obviously payments. That is ending very shortly. That is ending in September. So uh, a week away, the bills are going to be coming and the interest is going to kick back in. And so on the federal level, they don't generally sue on the federal level because they have other options. They can garnish your uh, social security. They can take your tax refund money. They have uh, other options. Uh, And they're also a lot more flexible. There's more programs available. So those collection activities are slightly different. They're collection, but they're not litigation. So is there something, do you anticipate there's going to be an influx of your services or problems once the CARES Act stops? So as far as most of the CARES Act is, it has been completed. But as far as the student loan end of it, I would suspect that those that haven't prepared to repay their student loans are going to certainly have a little bit of a rude awakening when they receive the bill and the notice. It's it's not uncommon for people to tell me, oh, you know, I haven't heard from my student loan company in years. And, I, and that's true. You may not have, but you will. And at some point they'll find you. And at some point you'll have to pay and you can't You can run, but you can't hide from them. So at some point, it'll catch up. And when it does catch up, you'll see the balances are much higher. And if you don't prepare for something like that, you don't prepare to repay, it can definitely be challenging. Also, it's still on your credit report. So even though the collection efforts have ceased and nobody's sending you letters, that doesn't mean it's not still there. It exists. So if you haven't checked your credit report, I always encourage people to check their credit at least once a year. And I usually suggest that around Halloween because they're always scared. So that's a good time of year to check your credit. (laughs) So check your credit report. And that's a good place to start. If you have a federal student loan, I encourage you to reach out to your servicer. Don't pretend it doesn't exist because they will find you. Especially if you file a tax return, they will find you. If you have a federal student loan, I encourage you to reach out to your servicer. Make sure your information is up to date. Talk to them about the new programs because there are lots of new programs that are out there. And some of the programs have changed. They've gotten actually a little bit wider in the availability of certain forgiveness type of programs. But just so we're clear, there are no forgiveness programs where 100% of your debt is going to be wiped out at all. And I would not anticipate that that is in the near future at all. Um, Don't rely on the idea that at some point Congress or the government is going to act and forgive your debt. That's just not really a realistic position to, to take when it comes to the student loan debt. Yeah, I saw I shared a meme recently that was like the mail is so confusing because sometimes it's a JCPenney catalog and sometimes it's a letter that if you literally don't open it, you will go to jail. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so accurate. Like, I feel like a lot of this stuff is coming in the mail and people feel so overwhelmed by just opening anything that says student loan or bank or anything on it. Is that accurate? Like there, I feel like I'm always like one form away from going to jail. So I don't disagree with you in that it's overwhelming and people don't like to open the mail. 
but you really should open the mail regardless because what if it is something where you like a credit card that you didn't sign up for what if it is a notice about something so never just rip up the mail always just slide it open look at it read it if it's no good then mm-hmm. shred it I, I don't recommend necessarily throwing out I mean solicitations are one things but I, I recommend shredding mail but I also recommend keeping files and it's important to keep records of everything because things could change so much could change and there's a requirement a notice requirement on everything and that notice requirement is usually by mail so open it look at it figure it out what it is if you're not sure what it is reach out to a service or your bank or whatever somebody to help you with it because you know ignoring mail is not the way to go now with debt you're not going to go to jail not in this not in new york for for at least there are some other states actually that if you don't respond to certain subpoenas you could be you could get a bench warrant issued to you so you know that's why again if you ignore things you you could end up with some very serious challenges so but as a general rule there's no debtor's prison so but there you know there is sort of, I would, I would call it a debtor's prison that's not physical. There's a, an emotional debtor's prison. And if you ignore your debt, you will be housed within that debtor's prison for as long as it takes to pay off your debt. So you have to change your relationship with the debt. And part of that is opening the mail open the mail, get excited for it. Like I get excited to pay my bills. I tell people, you know, I know it sounds crazy, but the glass is always half full with me. And even though I'm in this debt world, which is a dark world, I'm always very optimistic and I love fixing these problems and I can fix the most complex. The more complex it is, the more interesting it is to me, but I can fix these things like in my sleep. And, and so I love this, this stuff. And I encourage people to try to make friends with the mail, make friends with your debt, make friends with the whole process because it's part of your life. And living in this country, you are never going to get away from it. So you might as well join them and try to figure it out and make friends. Yeah, it's interesting that you said update your information or make sure your information is correct because how often is it like you forget that you moved and then that thing comes in the mail somewhere else? And it's wild that we're still relying on physical mail, although I guess support the post office, but... You know, it's very it's very scary that a lot of this stuff is just like one letter or something. So mail is still the the in the in the legal industry, mail is still the number one used no, form of notice. The reason why is because it's it's considered reliable. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have challenges with the with with mail on v- many different levels, but it's still considered reliable. And so, if it's mailed and you certify that you mailed something, the presumption is that the person received mm-hmm. it. So that's why we we still continue to use mail. So open the mail, make friends with it, and definitely if you've moved, and a lot of people have moved over the last three years, especially through COVID, where addresses were changed or not changed. So and families living in all different mm-hmm. places, don't rely on your family members. So I get that too. Well, I don't live there anymore. That's where my parents, sibling, aunt, uncle, somebody lives there. I don't. So I didn't get notice. I go, oh, no, you got notice. If your family member lived there and you live there at some point and you don't have a formal change of address, you are notified. That's your family member. So don't rely on them to provide you with your notices in the mail. Because I have fa- I have clients whose parents don't speak English. I have clients who are estranged from their family. I have clients who have you know somebody living there who hates them and just rips oh, up their Lord. mail, or they have a dog that ate it. I, I don't know. Whatever the reason is, don't rely on other people to provide you with your notices. Stay up to date. The U.S. Postal Service has a forwarding program. All you have to do is go online, fill it out. It takes 30 seconds. Fill it out, and therefore your information is up to date. 
there and this way you can get your mail. If you bounce around a lot, then get a PO mm-hmm. box someplace and where you have one consistent place where all of your mail goes and you have a reliable source that picks up your mail. Because again, those are not excuses. Like if you get sued, those are not excuses. And I get it all the time when people, clients will say to me, I wasn't served. And we go and we look and sure enough, it's an address that they lived at and that a family member still lives at. And I say, you're out yeah. of luck. And you end up with a judgment, a lien, frozen bank accounts, garnished wages, because you didn't properly update your your addresses. So it is it is part of financial responsibility and financial accountability to keep up to date your mailing addresses with your creditors. So in the email that you sent, it says that credit card debt has surpassed a record one trillion in this country. And so I want to move over to that. And like, what do you what are your rights there? Like, I feel like you can just open a credit card and then just go bananas and then and then that and then that's it. (laughs) Your rights in terms of your credit cards are this. You, once you become an adult you're, you, and you get a credit card, your obligation, it's, a, it's basically a loan, and your obligation is to pay that every single month. They give you terms and conditions. The terms are that you don't have to pay the full balance. You have to make a minimum payment. But if you make the minimum payment, you're going to be charged interest. If you don't have great credit or you have limited credit, you're going to end up with very high interest rates. Interest rates are high now in general. And because interest rates are high, credit cards and other goods and services follow in suit to that. So high interest rates, credit card rates are on the higher end. So if you don't pay the bill in full, the balance is subject to interest. And when the balance is subject to interest, you know, you're going to end up paying interest mm-hmm. on it. So what happens is if you continue to charge on that card and you don't pay the bill, what happens is that it, it, it accumulates, it, ba- it, it mm-hmm. grows exponentially because your minimum payment is usually between two and 4% of the balance, but your interest rate is between 12 and 22%. So there's no way that you're paying down what you owe. So every month it gets compounded. That's what the the building up is. So if you have compounding principal on your debt and you don't pay it off, you're going to end up in debt. And at some point, the minimum payments are going to surpass your ability Mm -hmm. to pay. And that's when you're going to default. And when you default, obviously it goes into collections after a certain period of time. And then they they can sue you. And it is very common in the credit card world to be sued. It is what goes on, what has gone on for many years. Now, there's lots of laws and rules that are in place in the consumer credit area of the world. And I stress consumer because there's business debt that is not covered by this. So in the consumer debt world of credit cards, there's lots of rules and law. The Fair Debt Collection Practices Act is one of them, uh, commonly known as the FDCPA. That regulates debt collectors and what they can and cannot do to you. Like they can't call you a deadbeat and call you 15 times from 2 to 4 a.m. So and they can't tell a third party, for example, that you owe money. Like they can't call up your boss and say, hey, you know, you have a deadbeat working for you. So all of that has been eliminated for the most part. And so with that, there are consequences to not paying those bills. The goal when you take on credit is sometimes to build credit, but also to to manage that credit effectively. Credit cards do great things, great things you can do with them. But if you don't pay them, those will turn into a nightmare. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. 
but with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Everything is more expensive these days when you're running a business, and you would be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. The fact that you are able to reduce your IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud is incredible. And the ability to access your cloud financial system from anywhere saves you so much time and stress. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a new candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. It would be so much easier if I was looking for someone to help me with sweetening audio or let's say someone to run my merch shop or all the little things that go into running a podcast. Usually something like that would be so slow and overwhelming. And honestly, I wish I had used Indeed and I will use Indeed in the future. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash bad with money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. You guys know that I have had allergies for forever. I've had seasonal allergies since I was a kid. It causes pressure in my face, under my eyes. They're my ultimate handbrake. When my nose is plugged up, I feel like I can't do anything. I can't enjoy food because I can't taste it. I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even host the show because my voice sounds like a duck. And listen... I am already dealing with vocal strain from testosterone and my voice dropping. I don't need any more problems with allergies. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I've been taking Claritin D for allergies like probably for the last 10 years or something, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go outside without my eyes watering like a fountain. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped in my throat. 
I get really embarrassed when I'm sneezing all the time. I have like an itchy nose or throat, like ugh, like just the, the itchiness in the back of your sinuses is like so distracting and so annoying. And I get like pressure in my ears too. It's really painful. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Okay, so going back, what what does defaulting mean? And then what is a lien? Okay, so defaulting means that you did not pay, you didn't pay your obligation. It means that your bill was due, you didn't pay it, and therefore you defaulted on the, that's the, the term used to say that you didn't pay the bill. So you could default on student loans, you could default on car payments, then they'll repossess your car, a house, they'll go into foreclosure if you default on the mortgage payments. It's, it's a term used to say that you didn't make the payment. Arrears is a term meaning that you the money that you owe in the past. So if you're in arrears on your mortgage by $10,000, that means you owe late payments, you, the payments that you missed, equal $10,000. So arrears is the amount of money that's owed as a result of non-payment as a result of default. Okay. And then that's a lien as well? A lien is a, a legal term where a if you default and you were sued, they can put, and you lose that lawsuit, they can put a, a judgment against you. A judgment means you lost the lawsuit, which can be done one of two ways. The loss, you can lose a lawsuit either by failing to appear, or you can lose it by appearing and you have no valid legal defense and therefore they you lose the case and then you get a judgment a judgment can become a lien a lien is a legal term meaning that somebody has a right title or interest to something that belongs to you so if you have a mortgage there's a lien against the property by the bank because the bank has a interest in the property so that's a lien it, a subsequent lien to that would be something let's say you got a judgment and the judgment is recorded that becomes a lien against personal property a lien against a bank account can occur by defaulting, and then it's an enforcement proceeding where they send a notice to the bank saying, hey, this person owes me money. I want to lien that bank account, and then I want to pull the money out of the bank account because here's my lien. So that, that's what the lien means. What are they suing you? They're suing you because you're not paying? Like the credit card company sues you? Yep. Basically, as simply as, simple as it can be put is, you owe me money. You didn't pay me. I'm taking you to court and I'm going to sue you because you owe me money. Oh, my God. OK, so like what what happens when you can't make a minimum payment or you just keep getting sued or like what what is your job then to to help with? Because like what if you're just like it just keeps going, it keeps compounding, it keeps like it could snowball so easily. It could. It, it definitely could. I have clients with, you know, fifty thousand dollars of debt, a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars of debt. You know, uh, clients that ranges, yeah. you know, several million dollars in debt. With that said, you need help. So you need somebody like me. I'm a financial attorney. I, uh, my, my firm exclusively focuses on debt resolution. This is all that we do and all that we've done for 25 years. So you need somebody like me because there's a lot of companies and a lot of organizations out there. But the challenge is, who do you yeah. trust? Who's going to do the right job for you? And what questions do you even ask right. these people? You, you know, very common to be solicited, receive things in the mail, see things on TV, hear things on the radio. But are those legitimate organizations? They may or may not be. They could be fly-by-night organizations. You don't know who they are. 
An attorney is a different ballgame. There's a level, different level of accountability. Everything I do, you know, I have to follow my ethical practices. Obviously, I've been around a long time and I'm easy to find. So and easy to check out. So, you know, somebody asked me today, you know, if you were me as a consumer, what would you do? Who would you hire? I said, I would hire me for sure. First of all, like I'm a pit bull. I said, first of all, and I know, and secondly, I know this business inside and out. I know how to resolve that. I know how to fix the problems. I know how to get it done. But there's lots of other implications when you're resolving debt. Legal implications. There's tax implications. There's credit reporting implications. There's short and long-term budgeting related issues. You know, somebody like myself as an attorney, my client isn't, a, isn't just a number. My client is somebody who I get to know, I understand what's happening in their business or, or their personal life, and we come up with a strategy that works. It's not a one-stop shop, big box, hey, here yeah. it is, this is what we do, because that doesn't work. Your financial situation is different than mine. We both might have American Express in common. We both could default on American Express and we both could be sued by Amex, but that doesn't mean that the resolution is the same for you and me. We live in different areas, have different financial statuses, different ages. You know, there's there's so many socioeconomic factors that go into the resolution process. So it's not one, one stop fits all. And one of the biggest red flags is if you speak to anybody who prop makes promises, mm. promises on numbers, promises on time frame. I promise I'll get you 50%. No way. I can tell you that is not happening. It doesn't happen anymore. So, I mean, I have clients that are sick, some that will never work again. Some are in their 90s, some children with cancer, you know, all different hardships that come up as a result of life. And those numbers don't come down to pennies on the dollar anymore. That's old school. That That's outdated information that you're reading on the internet. So again, to decipher between what goes on in reality and what is out there and what the rumors are and the stereotypes are are two different things. And somebody like me is going to tell it to you straight up. I mean, I think you can tell that, uh, you know, I don't I don't beat around the bush. <laughs> I'm a street shooting New York attorney. You know, there's no reason to sugarcoat what the experience is going to be. Now, obviously, I, I'm not selling yeah. anything. I am who I am. We don't solicit clients. We don't we don't do anything like that. You want me, you come to me. If you want to work with me, great. We're happy to have you. We'll bring you into our team and our family and take good care of you. But, you know, if you want to promise a guarantee, uh, that's not something I could do. And that's not a realistic position to take. And anybody will sell you anything, especially in this yeah. world, in the in the debt world. There's there's so many scams and so many promises and so many of these companies that pop up all the time. And it's unfortunate. And I've been here a long time in this business. So I've seen many of them come and go for lots of different reasons. And some some do good work. You know, I'm not criticizing the entire industry, but unfortunately, there's a lot of bad apples and that spoil it for the rest. If I was a consumer, I would be searching for a financial attorney who really had the knowledge to resolve these issues because when a creditor says they're going to sue you or they actually sue you, you do not want to be filing a form. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who just, you know, picks something off off the Internet and then filed it because in New York, you file a form, you know, you're going to get a next step is coming a motion for summary judgment. And so now you just taken bad yeah. to worse. So um, it's it's important to say because I have clients that get sued pretty frequently. So a, a woman called me this morning. She was sued. She's worried about the timeline. I said, you know, I have a relationship with these people. So I said, forget the lawsuit. We'll, we'll push the lawsuit out so we don't have to file an answer. And we will work on settling it. We'll work with your budget. I'll work with the creditor. Again, I have a relationship. We'll make it work. And so, and she's so relieved because why just go in and file right. an answer? I mean, why fight? There's no, unless you have a valid legal defense, and most people don't, you're not going to overcome the lawsuit. 
and they're just going to be aggressive. And so why go in that? Uh, I wouldn't represent myself. I've had plenty of legal matters as a consumer where I don't represent yeah. myself. I hire the, I try to find the best in each area to help me. And the, and the financial piece, it's really overwhelming. It's very stressful. It causes issues with significant others and spouses and families and jobs and life in general. And it's overwhelming. So why not take a deep breath and let somebody who knows what they're doing fix it for you? Well, you talked to, briefly, you mentioned getting 50%. And I was wondering, so when you're talking about debt resolution, what are some of the things that could happen? You're talking about getting some of it forgiven or filing for bankruptcy or whatever it is. Like, what are some of the resolutions? So if you have a debt problem, there's a couple of options. Let's we'll talk bankruptcy first. Bankruptcy is potentially an option. Some people think you could just file bankruptcy. You can't. You have to qualify mm-hmm. for bankruptcy. It's not a right anymore. So there's there's generally for consumers two different types of bankruptcy, a seven and a 13. A seven would wipe out the debt completely. And a 13 is a repayment plan that you come up with and you submit to the court, the bankruptcy trustee, it has to be approved and you pay back a portion or all of the debt plus all the fees. So both of them have what's called a means test requirement, meaning your income has to, you have to qualify based on your income and your debt to do that. And if you work with me, we don't file bankruptcy, but what we tell clients is, is here's the budget that you would need to work with us as an alternative to bankruptcy. If this is not doable, then you need to, then, and you need to seek out bankruptcy. We make recommendations to bankruptcy attorneys. Most of the time, that's not the case. Most of the time, I'm going to say about 99% of the time, uh, we can work through these issues without bankruptcy as, a, as, as, a, as an option. The challenge with bankruptcy is one, if you go through a 13, it takes a long time, three to five years. Wow. It's expensive and it's on your credit report for 10 years. So now, now everything that you do, you have to check that you file for bankruptcy. So you could limit your ability to get certain licensing for jobs, security clearance, certain types of loans, lending products are going to be off the table and, and it's going to be challenging. So we generally suggest bankruptcy as a last resort. But there's nothing wrong with speaking with a bankruptcy attorney and and having at least a consultation to understand whether it makes sense. You know, we go through a very mini consultation on the bankruptcy because, again, we do refer people out if if this simply isn't going to work. Because there's no point in going through this process if if it's if you just don't have the money. Are you do you have to publish your bankruptcy in the newspaper still? No, but it is public information, so it can be found. Yeah, it's 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 an easy record to find. Yeah, and it's people from small towns, so. My clients from the big cities, that's one thing, but in small towns, they know everything. And a lot of people in my, my clients in the Midwest and part of the Southwest, they, they don't want people to know what's going on in their personal lives. And that information can be found out pretty yeah. easily. Not a good idea if that's what you're looking, if you're trying to keep things a little more quiet. Same thing with judgments. I mean, lawsuits are public information. You can just search it by somebody's name and find whether they've been sued. So many of my clients want that stuff out as fast as possible, yeah. especially my doctors, lawyers, accountants, you know, uh, I mean, securities people, what my Wall Street type of client, mm-hmm. they do not want this stuff out there. What was the other debt resolution stuff you're going to talk about? There's debt consolidation and debt settlement. So debt consolidation is kind of an umbrella term. And that incorporates sometimes bankruptcy, debt settlement and, and, and consumer credit counseling. A consumer credit counseling service is generally a not-for-profit that works with the creditors to reduce the interest rate. It, it's a long process. It's, it's, it's not as popular as it had been many years ago. It also is very slow. 
So most clients don't really like that option. A debt settlement, it can be super effective if it's done right. If it's done wrong, it's, it can be a disaster. So again, working with the right people is really important because on the debt settlement arena, you really want somebody who knows what they're doing. Because part of debt settlement includes lawsuits and things like that. So, and the forgiveness of debt, which I know you asked about. The forgiveness of debt is a form that comes from the IRS that's sent by the creditor. It's a 1099C. Anytime you resolve debt and you have a savings of $600 or more, you have to report that as income on your tax return. That doesn't mean that you're paying taxes on it. That just means it's reportable. The creditor wrote off the debt. It's a write-off and a charge-off. Charge-off is different. It's a write-off. A charge-off is when they take it off their books as bad debt, but it's not written off. It means that they've sent it to collections. So a write-off means it's been written off as a bad debt. It's done. So on that write-off, they took a deduction. So on on one side of the deduction, somebody has to balance the other side. So that means you as a consumer who settled the debt have to report that. It doesn't mean you're paying taxes on it. Most of the time, my clients don't pay taxes on it for a million reasons. Again, using the right company or organization or individual firm can, can balance that. This way, we set it up where it's nice and nice and even, where you don't get bombarded with 1099Cs, and then you end up with a taxable implication. So it's, it's a form that comes from the creditor once you settle debt for more than $600. If it's going to be taxable, is depending on your tax situation. And again, there's a loophole in that, of course, where you can fill out a particular forgiveness of debt form where your liabilities exceed your assets and therefore you may not have a taxable implication. But again, always good to run this by either the IRS. Don't be afraid of the IRS. They're super cool. You can call them up. They'll talk to you. Uh, you might have to hang on the phone for three hours, but they'll get you'll get somebody on the phone. They're not going to come after you just because you called them, I promise. So they're okay to talk to. And, or your Tax mm-hmm. preparer, accountant, not just somebody who just prepares tax returns, somebody who understands the 1099 state. Not every accountant and tax preparer understands 1099 Cs. And I've met many who don't. So before you go ahead and just dump it on them, say, are you familiar with this? Would you be able to advise me? If they say, let me do some no. research, that's probably a good indication that they're not as familiar and you might want to find somebody who is. And again, there's nothing wrong with calling the IRS. They'll help you. Managing my finances is incredibly stressful and time consuming. I'm sure you guys know you've been with me on this journey. You know how many finance apps I've tried. You know how much they haven't worked for me. And I'm always on the hunt for a finance app that fits my life. And then I tried Monarch. It is so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I really value an app that allows me to do all of this without confusion. And especially important to me is intuitive design and the ability to personalize because clearly finance is not one size fits all. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Together, you can see all your finances, collaborate on your budget, and get insights on your cash flow and recurring transactions. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Are you saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation? Monarch makes it so easy to help you reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. 
Have you been frustrated with personal finance apps that are cluttered with ads, difficult to use, rarely updated? So was Monarch. They built a new kind of personal finance app that's intuitive and powerful and ad-free and constantly improving based on customer feedback. Experience a personal finance app that prioritizes the user experience above all else. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. Plus, there's ad-free privacy you can trust. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone. Chime members are not and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. So you mentioned, too, that people have reasons that are really pulling on the heartstrings and it doesn't super matter. Can you talk a bit about that? I feel like a lot. It's it. This feels like a very I mean, you mentioned earlier, you know, this country, right? It feels like a very American problem. And do you, do you think it's just is there like it used to pull on the heartstrings and now people don't care? Or is it that most people like what what is going on? Are you seeing a lot of people with these like really wild extenuating circumstances that it's just it's just people are like, well, them's the breaks. So it's really it is an American problem because most other countries don't operate debt like this. Most other countries, it's you only buy what you have the money to pay for. So it's really mostly an American problem. So, you know, as far as debt that's here, 
you know, if you have a hardship, sometimes the creditor cares, sometimes they don't. Most of the times these days, they don't care. I, mean, I have a client who, like I said, I have one client who has two children with cancer and they did not care at all. Don't care. Basically, the answer was don't care. Pay the bill. So I said, no, I, I get that. But this is why my client has this challenge. So I can advocate the best I can, but not, that doesn't mean the creditor cares. What you consider a hardship and what the creditor considers a hardship are two different things. If, God forbid, you, you know, you're, you're going to pass away, I would just, you know, many times we just leave those debts. Mm. Uh, if there's no assets of any kind, uh, again, you, you, need, you need counsel for somebody to tell you, you know, what, what do you want to yeah. do with it? But as far as the creditor goes, there are some cases where they where they will say, oh, OK, that's an, that's an interesting hardship. Can you provide us proof of the hardship just because you lost your job or you had COVID? Mm-hmm. So COVID is not a hardship, even though I actually have a client who had COVID and was in a coma for six months, then had a heart attack and like and now is permanently disabled and will never work again. Never will he ever. Oh, work my again, God. Ever. So he had, he had COVID, the initial COVID, yeah. you know, which was the, the worst strain. So he had initial COVID and he was hospitalized, you know, his, his initial COVID. So, you know, those that had COVID very early on and were sick have, have a yes. different strain than those have gotten COVID subsequent to that. So, so he had the original strain and he was very sick. He'll never work again. And in fact, also had to have part of a limb removed. Oh I mean, really, really bad stuff. So the creditors sued him anyway, <laughs> even though I told them. They, they sued him anyway. So they now want proof of his disability and proof of his hardship. So which is unusual because of HIPAA. Most of these creditors don't ask me for that, but these guys did. So it's fine. It's, it's provable. But the question's now going to become, what are they going to do about it? Honestly, my client's judgment proof. So what I mean by judgment proof is he lives on Social Security and disability and he doesn't own any property. So there's really nothing they could do with their judgment. It's as worth the paper it's going to wow. be written on. So sometimes we balance that. Again, when you're talking to a lawyer, we balance that and does it make sense to fight these things? In this case, I'm curious what they're going to come back at. So it's worth it, in my opinion, to send them the information. I mean, we, we made them a very low mm-hmm. offer. And in some cases, in student loans, that's a different story. The student loan world, they're a little bit more flexible with the hardship. I had a client that really severe situation was in law school and had a horrendous car accident. Oh my God. And since that time was really like not just a paraplegic, but had a really terrible traumatic brain mm-hmm. injury. I was really never going to work a work and really makes any kind right. of money. And we were able to settle the debt at 10 cents on the dollar. Wow. I mean, it was a $100,000 debt and we settled it for under, the father was willing to pay it. So we settled it for under $10,000. Wow. So it was a pretty substantial reduction in that circumstance. So some of it is case by case. Who is making these decisions? Like who decides it's going to be 10? <laughs> I wish I knew. You don't know? I mean, that's the, that's the Oprah question of the day. Like I always tell people, I'd be Oprah rich if I could figure this all out. But who makes it? Somebody in some person... And, and I sometimes wonder who that person is, like at Citibank and at Chase. Like, who's making these decisions when I see some of these things that come down? I'm like, is this a human being that made this decision? Like, some of it is so, so ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> and I don't mean to, I, I am not harping on the creditors at all. I'm not anti-creditor at all. I, I actually, I'm pro-creditor and pro-paying your bills. But sometimes I see the decisions that come down from certain banks all of them. I've seen stuff from Citibank and Chase and Discover and American Express. I see things that come down the line and I'm, and I'm like, who made these right. decisions? Like, who's looking at this? Like, uh, 
is this anybody who really understands like how any of this no. works or is this did they throw it into chat GPT <laughs> and they came up with some answer and this is the answer like it just it almost feels non-human sometimes but you know again they have their challenges too and i and i respect their challenges and we respect their parameters and decisions and and try to work Mm -hmm. around them. But sometimes those parameters and decisions change on a dime. Like one day they're accepting faxes. The next day, nope, no more faxes, only emails. Nope. Then you got to mail it. Right. You have to mail, right. You said mail something and then then they won't do this. Then they won't do that. Then it's open-ended. Everybody, they change the parameters on all these things every single day. So, you know, we just roll with it. You know, but and after all this time, you know, uh, this is what I say. You could pitch me any ball. I'm going to hit a home <laughs> run. But I, I it's every day. It's a new ball. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I could still hit. I it think now. people listening who are not American are going to be completely aghast by the stories that you've told, <laughs> because it does come down to like the ways in which we it does feel inhuman. Unless you've Americanized yourself and you've taken on American right. debt. So if you've Americanized yourself and you've taken that on, but most of my clients, like most people that I meet in other countries, you know, and I explain what I do when I travel and say to me, oh, you know, we don't have anything like that or that's not the way we do things mm-hmm. here. And, you know, well, they have a little bit of debt, like lending practices, the extent to what the American financial world looks like in, in terms of credit card lending, you know, and, and obviously there's other countries where you can't have debt. They'll just cut your hands right. off. So, you know, everybody has a different culture. The American culture is one of buy now, pay later, borrow, borrow, mm. borrow. That That is the American financial culture and it works and it can work. It's really effective. If you can balance and no one's saying, and I certainly don't say ever, don't take on credit card debt and don't take on loans. A hundred percent. I mean, that's what I wrote in my book, Life mm-hmm. and Debt. You know, it's okay to have debt. A hundred percent. You just have to balance it and manage it. If you can manage it effectively, you can carry balances. You can have lots of debt and you'll still have an 800 credit score. But you have to understand what it is that you you pay out, you know, in your mind when the payments are due, what you've spent, where have you spent your money. And most of what I experience with clients is that they don't know. They don't know who they pay, how much they pay, how much they owe, and when the payments are due. And that's when it's out of control. So if you as a listener are saying, you know, I wonder what, what, where I fall in, you have to ask yourself, if, if I spoke to Leslie and she said to me, you know, how much debt do you have? And you couldn't tell me. And I asked you who your creditors are and you can't tell me who that is and how much your mortgage or your rent payment is. And you don't know who that is, or you have to check then you're out of touch with your finances and you're a good candidate, you know, for potential Mm -hmm. problems because you should be able to rattle that stuff off. I mean, I can rattle off at what day of the month, every single bill I have in my company is due and every single bill that then in my personal life is, Mm -hmm. is due. And my three children, (laughs) I can rattle off their stuff. So, so it's, yes, it's because I do it every single day and I'm very comfortable with it at this point, but unless you work with it, you won't become comfortable with it. So I, I'm old school. I just look like I, this is my, my calendars, like my life. And even though I put stuff in that's calendared electronically, I have a calendar mm-hmm. on my desk, my, my good old desk calendar that I love to write in when the bills are due. And somehow every time I write it down, it it's becomes memory. So every month I'm writing it down. And I know when all the bills are due. So there's no question as to what's coming up. And what I have done in the past is write it out. Like I write down. And as soon as I write it down, I remember it. So if you don't know what you have, write it down. If you're a little more old school, if you 
are more comfortable electronically. There's tons mm-hmm. of apps. I mean, I'm not going to recommend any apps because there's lots of them and, and they're all different and I'm not a paid spokesperson, <laughs> but there are apps. And, and honestly, you can just work it off your computer, yeah. your bank, but you should be checking your bank account regularly. You should be checking your balances on your credit cards regularly. So to stay financially healthy and ahead of the game, again, it's okay to carry debt. And I'm, I'm totally cool with that. There's not one bank that's better than the other. There's lots of ways to figure out which credit cards work better, which banks work better for you too. There's lots of banks that, that are online banks that mm-hmm. work. You know, again, in order to know your financial goals and meet them, you have to understand what's right. happening. If you want to buy something, you need to know where it's going to fit in your budget. Not, I think I can mm-hmm. do that. That's the worst thing I had. I think yeah. I can do that. Like, no, 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 no. I want you to know that you can do that. I want you to know that when you pick a number, that that number works for you. That next month, you're not going to call me up and say, you know what? I yeah. can't meet that. Because then that's a problem. Because if I'm going to argue to the creditor that we need to reduce something because my client has a hardship, but you didn't do your homework, it's going to be a problem. And if you don't do your homework on the regular end, you don't know your fi- personal finances well, you will absolutely 100% end up with financial challenges. And this is goes out of the yeah. country too. So this isn't just this culture. And and don't get me wrong. I I have plenty of non-Americans who are, who are client. And when I mean non-Americans are people who don't identify mm-hmm. as Americans. You can be live in this country and not identify as an American. You can be from out of this country and identify as American. But I have clients from all different cultures, all different mm-hmm. walks of life, all different socioeconomic background, every everything you can imagine. I mean, debt doesn't discriminate. You know, money is green and debt is what it is. And there's no discrimination as far as I see, as far as the debt problems. There are communities that are unfortunately not as well versed in the challenges that you can face and understanding and managing money. They're also money. targeted. There's also a lot of targeted scams, payday loan places that specifically are in black and brown neighborhoods. Like they are targeted. There are. And payday loans are illegal in New oh. York. So that doesn't that doesn't happen here. And some states have outlawed some of these things. And yes, that's correct. So it's they're there. But the question becomes, you know, it, within those communities, it would be wonderful to provide those communities with extra support and understanding, you know, what goes on. But and, and you're right. From that perspective, different communities and different cultures have access to different things. And, you know, the challenge is that, you know, how do you get the word out on, on what, what we're talking about so that it helped those who didn't grow up with it? Because you may not have grown up with parents who talked about money, so you might be completely mm-hmm. in the dark. You may have more opportunities than others and vice versa. So we, we do want to try to understand that. So when I see different cultures and different uh, individuals that come see me, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, where, you know, what is your understanding of money and finances? And, you know, what is it that I can do to help to, you know, change the tone of the uh, experience that you're having with money and debt? And it is challenging when you when you can't advocate for yourself. So what happens is, and this is the case of a lot of people who are disadvantaged, they don't know how to advocate for themselves because they don't know the questions mm-hmm. to ask. So if you have student loan, how do you know what questions to ask the servicer? You don't. And if you have debt, how do you know what questions to ask? How do you know, you know, how do you know what you're supposed to do? Yeah, it comes with instructions, but that doesn't mean that you understand what mm-hmm. it says. So advocating for yourself becomes challenging when you come from more disadvantaged backgrounds. Mm 
Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You talked about someone being older and just encouraging them to die with the debt. And people have asked this a few times, like, if your parents die and they have a lot of debt, what happens to that? Does that go to you? And if you're a parent and your child dies and they have a lot of debt, like what happens to, in those two situations? You can't inherit debt. So if you if your parents have debt and they die in debt, you it doesn't become your responsibility. That doesn't mean it doesn't become the estate's responsibility. So that's a different story. So there's some nuances with that. But in general, no. If your child passes away, or adult child it would be, passes away with debt, it doesn't become your responsibility. Unless you co-sign. If you're a co-signer on a debt, it is 100% your responsibility if the co-signer passes away. So if you own a house together, joint credit cards, things like that. If you are an authorized user... That means you're allowed to use a card, but that doesn't mean that you're responsible for the debt. That's not oh, that's your great. debt when the person passes away. The big distinction. Now, if there's an estate, so let's say the parent passes away, there's an estate or a spouse or whatever, or a child, and now there's an estate. If there's assets in the estate, a creditor can go and file a claim against the estate in order to recover money. So it depends on the creditor. If you're, If there's no... If there's no estate and there's no will and nothing's going to be probated, you know, under those circumstances, there's no assets of any kind. There's no there's no legal obligation to pay mm -hmm. the debt. That doesn't mean the family doesn't want to pay the debt or that the creditor will say, oh, your family member would want you to pay the debt. And depending on the type of debt, credit cards, it's one thing. But if there's a car and you want to continue to use that car and you have to pay that bill, even if it's not in your name and that person who owned the car died, if you if there's a house. And you want to maintain that house and the person who owned the house died, you have to pay the mortgage. If you don't pay the mortgage, it'll go into foreclosure. So even if the person dies, it's not like it stays the foreclosure process. They're still going to try to take the house. With that said, so you, the general answer is no. And that's and a lot of people do ask me that. So I do see adult children try to get on accounts with mm -hmm. their parents because they're concerned about can the parent make good decisions. My recommendation in those cases generally is to consider a power of attorney and not joint accounts. An estate planning attorney could put together a, a very basic package, a very basic will and a very basic package. They're not expensive. I encourage everybody, everybody should mm -hmm. have one. Regardless of your situation, everybody should have some sort of will, power of attorney and healthcare proxy in their estate planning packages. There's lots of ways to get them through the bar associations, have clinics that'll do them if you don't have money. There's lots of different levels Obviously, if you have a complex estate, you want to work with 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 a higher end attorneys. But there are basic ways to do these things, because if something happens to you and you let's say, God forbid, something happens, you're in a hospital, you're in a coma. Who's going to pay your bills and or that you're incapacitated in some way? So a, a power of attorney will allow somebody to help you maintain your bills 
and other things while you're challenged. Otherwise, you're going to have a family or whoever else is left behind is going to have a really difficult time. And I mean a very difficult time. And then you'll have to first go to court, surrogate's court, and you'll have to file and request somebody to be put in charge because no bank or anybody else is going to operate without a letter from the court. So if you plan ahead, you can manage these things Mm -hmm. better. Same thing with passcodes and other things that go on because... If you can't get into the accounts, if somebody passes away or is incapacitated, then you end up with all kinds of problems. And it is a hassle when we can't get into accounts because somebody passed away or they're incapacitated. And as the lawyers, we can't we can't access the information because it's limited. So I I do really encourage people to make that part of financial Mm -hmm. planning is is not only to manage your debts well, but to manage your estate and your estate and your planning process well, because it's very hard on the family if something happens to you and you make it harder by not planning for it. There are very competent attorneys. Not everything from attorneys costs a lot of money. I know we're so scary. I know we're scary. I know. I get it. I try not to be the scary attorney type, but, I, but you know, I try to be like the, the friendly attorney type. Most people tell me I don't act like, I don't seem like the average attorney. So I, I take that as a compliment. But, and most of my, my colleagues and friends are super cool, but like we always have our little attorney hat on. It's a little intimidating. And I know people get upset about that and they feel it's like not as like warm and fuzzy mm-hmm. as it should be. But, you know, there are lots of attorneys that really care. And especially in the estate planning world, and certainly for me in the financial world, I do really care about my clients and and seeing them to the other side. But this is part, financial health starts in so many different ways. It starts in being honest with yourself, honest with your finances, honest with you know, no, I can't afford that today. Or like your friends are going out. I, I can't afford mm-hmm. to do that. You know, open discussions and dialogues with not only yourself, because that's where it starts, but also your family and friends. And, you know, holidays are coming again. So, you know, we always talk about being honest with your family and saying, you know, I can't travel there. I just mm-hmm. don't have the money. It's not in the budget. Or, you know, I can't participate in getting 15 people gifts. I can maybe get one group gift a or white elephant. Do like a yeah. secret gift. Right, right. You know, you got to be honest about where you're at. And I know it's hard because when you're talking to different generations and different people who every again, it's a cultural thing. So sometimes people and families and friends, it's, it's hard mm-hmm. to talk about it. But the more you talk about it, the more comfortable you'll be. And you have to learn what works for you and whatever works for somebody else doesn't mean it's perfect for you, but it's part of good health. And financial health starts with that honesty openness, regular understanding of what's going on and and financial management, which starts with yourself. And then you can build your wealth. You can build wealth with debt. You can build wealth in a lot of ways and sticking to your your rules and your parameters and learning to say no and creating boundaries financially is super important. Being with people who have the same values that you do is important. Planning, and and that does require lawyers. So so planning for things that could happen Mm -hmm. in life. And I think those are really important because like my client who had COVID and was in a, in a coma for six months, I mean, he lost his whole business. He lost everything. So he lost his ability to work and his, all his money and everything. So if, if that was, and it's hard to plan for that circumstance, but the, it's not mm-hmm. that hard. So if you had something in place, I'm not talking about him, but if, if, if you had a circumstance like that and somebody has somebody, something in place and something like that mm-hmm. happens, your family can step yeah. up. Your, your trusted advisor, you don't have family around, get a trusted advisor. You can get an attorney who will appoint a trusted advisor mm-hmm. for you. There's companies that do it. An attorney can make that happen. Who will make sure that when you come out of the other side of something challenging in life, and it could be 
as extreme as a coma. It could be a divorce. Yeah. It could be so many different, and family members to your, your, your uh, mm-hmm. household. So many different things change life's financial circumstances and you got to be able to roll with it. Otherwise, you're going to end up in uh, a serious amount of debt. Yeah. So I wanted to, I just have a one other thing I wanted to touch on, which is in your bio, it talks about financial abuse. And I know we were talking about divorce or talking about unexpected circumstances that can happen. And you also remind me a lot of my mother, who is a New York attorney, who talk <laughs> almost just like her. And she very instilled in me from a very young age about divorce and about the ways in which things could go south. And I took in absolutely none of it. And so throughout the relationship, you know, you you think you're sort of blinded or you think certain things. And then as soon as you break up, it turns on a dime legally. And I was just curious, like if you could explain financial abuse and then also like how how do you or how do you protect yourself? So financial abuse starts really small. It starts tiny. It's tiny, tiny, tiny little things. It starts in, in so many in so many different ways. Wanting to know your passcodes to things, saying, "Hey, you know, you know, we're in a relationship. You should be able to. Sh- you should share that with me. What do you, you have something to hide? Making guilting you into it. Financial abuse can come from not disclosing things. You know, not telling you what their finances are, not telling you what their credit scores are, not telling you about the debts that they have, not being not being open and forthright about that kind of stuff. You can be abused." not just by being limited to what you're allowed to spend, you know, hey, what, you know, you can only spend this much or you're spending too much money or I'm not going to give you money or you need to give me all your paycheck. There's a lot of ways that financial abuse uh, happens and non-disclosure of your, of a financial situation is a form of abuse. If you're in a committed relationship and you're married to somebody or you're, you know, in a long-term committed relationship where you're living together, similar to being married, and somebody's not willing to share information and they're not willing to disclose information, you are victimized because in that circumstance, you know, when you're sharing expenses, it should be out on the table. There really needs to be a different level of trust. It's not like on date number one that you have expecting somebody to disclose their financial mm-hmm. circumstances to you. But an abuse can occur in a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be overt where somebody's hitting you, but it could be verbally too. You spend too much money, you're not responsible, you know, just berating you. Or if you're questioning them, the other person, and they say, I'm not going to tell you anything. I don't have to tell mm-hmm. you anything. And it's not your business or, you know, I'm not going to show you or, or explain what I'm doing with my money. You know, those that definitely borders on that abusive track. And it's hard because you're in a situation where you're not sure, you know, uh, you know, you don't necessarily want to tell somebody about it. And as soon as you start feeling like you don't want to tell somebody what's happening, you know, you're, you're in your own world and it can become much smaller and smaller and smaller where you are now completely a victim of somebody who, you know, is abusing you one way or another financially. And again, it doesn't have to just be withholding of, of money. It could be withholding of information. It could be calling you names mm-hmm. or, you know, an unwillingness to talk about joint expenses or just somebody who just free falls and does whatever they want without... Again, some of it, you know, it's I have seen a lot of it over the course of many years. And, you know, I've been in situations where I've uh, you know, dated people who don't want to disclose certain information. And for me personally, that's a red flag and not something that I'm not comfortable with. And I've ended relationships over 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 that where somebody didn't want to disclose their financial information in a committed relationship to me. 
you know, if if we're committed and we're living together and we are going to share expenses, I'm willing to share everything right. I have. Here's my situation. And then if you're not willing to share with me, why not? You know, it's to me, that's that's a non-starter for me personally. And there's no excuse for it in my personal world. But again, I do see that as um, a control piece. And once you start to see those red flags, it's really important to move on that and act on it uh, in your best interest, because you could go down a really scary path with somebody who, you know, doesn't want to share information. And then it definitely impacts you because if you're living together, like in your situation, if you're owning a house together and somebody doesn't want to tell you about their debt, you know, an audience member might be thinking, well, what's the difference if they're all paying the bills? Well, it does matter because if that person doesn't pay a bill and they be, they get a they get sued and the judgment, mm-hmm. they get a judgment against them, that's going to become a lien against mm-hmm. your house. So it does become a problem when you uh, now have joint responsibilities with somebody. And if the two of you are living in a circumstance where you've made a commitment to each other and a commitment to to common expense paying and one person doesn't want to disclose information, I think that's the time we have to ask yourself, am I in the right relationship? Is this the right partnership for me? Because partnership isn't just about, you know, we have a great time mm-hmm. together or the physical connection and the emotional connection. It's also, there's a financial connection. And sometimes, you know, I, I had somebody once tell me it's like a bird and fish issue. So, you know, birds and fish can't right. live together. So, you know, they look, they're all pretty and, and wonderful in their own worlds but they can't always mix. And if, you know, you're not comfortable with the lack of disclosure, and certainly I wasn't comfortable with a lack of disclosure, um, that that made me feel like, you know, I'm not in the right relationship because, you know, everything seems yeah. fine, but it's not okay if you don't want to disclose the information. And then it turned out that the failure to disclose was a result of a whole bunch of, of things that were behind that, which was my suspicion. So... It's very much like if you want to keep things separate, then keep things separate. But if you are splitting expenses or if you are and and if you are buying something together or or making a joint account or even just p- splitting rent, I think it is very I think there's an element of like keep st- some stuff like from being controlled, but also and protect yourself. But also like there should have for me, there should have been contracts. There should have been things like that, that. Well, if you're buying a house together and you're not married, you need a lawyer right, right. to plan for that because you should have some sort of agreement that says that things like right of first refusal if the other person wants to right. sell their part, issues, uh, indemnification if they were to be sued and there's a judgment or lien. I mean, there are pieces of that puzzle. Or if you're lending money to family, friends, or otherwise, there should be a note that's done by, you know, by a lawyer or put something together not forms you find right. online because that's just going to end up in litigation right. with challenges because the, that's just a mess. But the but other but there are other ways to to protect yourself. So I agree with you in the sense that if you're not living together and you're sharing no expensive and you're just dating, you know, you you may not be privy to certain information. Once that right. line changes where you're living together otherwise, because just because you keep your expenses yes. separate in a, in a living circumstance doesn't mean that it's OK not to know what the other what's going on in the other. And person's even life. living together, even if you don't own property, even splitting rent or living together in any way, like we had someone write in saying, oh, I just pay my bills to my boyfriend. And I'm like, right. But how do you know if those are real or if that's the real amount? And also, in I think in some situations and I'll say in mine, uh, it was unclear their financial situation in the positive. So, for example, I didn't know that they 
had access to more money than I thought they did. So I was covering more. So it could happen in the opposite direction, too, where it's being like, oh, well, you should pay more because you have a higher income without disclosure of other assets or other access to wealth that they had. So that was like... Correct. And there's an inherent dishonesty right. in that. So I'm always challenged with inherent and deep-rooted dishonesty. But if you if you care enough about somebody that you're moving in together and you're making that kind of commitment, to me, that should all be mm-hmm. on the table. That's no different than being, you know, we were, you lay naked next to somebody, but you don't want to share your financial information. There's something about that that, that that doesn't feel right. And so if you just pay your bills to your significant other, one, you don't know if they're being paid. Two, you don't know what they're doing with it. And three, I've had many people come to me over the years where their their significant other took their social security number and got them into huge amounts of debt and then disappeared. And I know that a lot of people say, right, a lot of people say never going to happen. I totally trust my significant other. I love them. They love me. Everything's great. Mm -mm. Don't everybody should be part of the bill paying process. Everybody should be. It should be a it's a family discussion, whether that family unit is two people or more. Everybody's part of the discussion. And we I believe in full disclosure. Here's where I'm at. This is my credit score. This is what here's where mm-hmm. my bills are. This is what I pay. This is what I'm willing to contribute. Now, a willingness to contribute and an ability to contribute yep. are two different things. So your willingness to contribute, it can be one thing. And then your ability to contribute yeah. is another. So that has to be talked out. And then how are the bills going to be paid? And do you have access to those bills? Just because you write a check to somebody, I find that to be one of the most dangerous situations you can put yourself in, spouse or otherwise. I just, my spouse pays or my significant other pays all the bills. I know nothing about what's going on. Like you just put your head in the sand and you have no idea what what's happening in your life. And and yeah, from a responsibility perspective, you know, it might feel really great that somebody else is taking care of everything. And it's one less thing you have to think about. But part of being a grown up and part of good financial health really is to be in the know. And you have to be in the know about what bills you're paying or, or, or that are being mm-hmm. paid for you. Um, so thank you so much for doing the show. Where can people find you and more about you? So you can certainly find me uh, all over the Internet uh, under uh, and my um, my <coughs> web address is teenlaw.com. Uh, but certainly I'm on um, everything from LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter um, at Leslie H. Tain, ESQ. And you can just put my name into a search engine and find me. Uh, the book you can find on Amazon, uh, Life and Debt, at lifeanddebt.com. And, um, you know, I'm happy to answer questions. You know, you know, we do free phone consultations. So if something comes up and you have a question, um, you're certainly welcome to call us at 866-890-7337. And we're happy to talk to you about anything, even if you don't live in New York. We have clients all over the country and international. Um, so uh, if I can't help you, I promise I will do my very best to point you in the right Thank direction. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. This was great. Bad With Money with Gabe Shane Dunn is a production of Noted Bisexual. Produced by Melissa D. Montz and Diamond M. Print Productions. Edited by Diane King. Post-production sound by Coco Lorenz. And music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen, as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.